And uh, how about an air hug this morning for the preacher? Good to see you today. Glad you are here and you may be seated. Hey, didn't our worship team do a great job this weekend? Give them a big hand. We really appreciate them. Pastor Zach is out of town uh, this week, enjoying a little time off. Well, last week, uh, I'm going to continue the same message vein as last week. If you were here, I entitled the message, God is in Control. And uh, what that has to do with, it has to do with our response to uncertainty in the world. And when we talk about uncertainty, it simply means, (laughs) what's going to happen? What does the future hold? And uh, if there is a scripture that I want to review with you uh, with the intent that hopefully it gets deeper in your heart, it's been my lifelong scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Can we say it together? It's going to be on the screen. Let's all say it out loud. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Now I'm going to tell you that is a powerful promise with some conditions. It says if we would trust in God, which simply means rely on Him, depend on Him, even when we can't figure everything out. Even when things are not certain, even when the bank account is not where it's supposed to be and people are acting in contrary ways, but if we simply acknowledge Him, and acknowledge Him is an implication of asking God what to do, of agreeing that we want to do His will, the very promise is God will direct our steps, which simply means we don't live by accident, we don't live by happenstance, but there is a sovereign hand that's guiding our life. Come on, aren't you glad of that today? Aren't you glad that we can just kind of take a collective deep breath and just realize God is in control? You know, as we talk about uncertainty, uh, it's out there. I mean, probably the biggest uncertainty now is the election. Uh, Who will govern America uh, come January? Uh, It's a big, big deal. Uh, I am praying about this every day. Uh, You remember uh, we talked extensively about it last week. When we talked about God is in control, that doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play. You remember the bird, when the bird flies, I mean, it takes two wings. Though God in his sovereignty, he could make his wing a helicopter and God can just do whatever he wants to. How many know that? But when it comes to uh, the affairs with human beings, there's two wings. There's God's part and there's our part. And our part, I think, with the outcome of this election is to pray every day. And I tell you what I pray every day. I say, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Let the person that you want to lead us and the political party, uh, let your will be done. I pray, Lord, if there is fraud, if there is anything that's deceptive, if there's anything dishonest, I pray it would be exposed. I pray that as American citizens, we could have confidence in our election system. But I pray every day. I pray that anywhere that Satan's working, that God would stop him. I pray that confusion would come. Because listen, friends, there is a tremendous battle that's at work. They're having a runoff election for Senate in the state of Georgia, both senators. And I've heard that they're going to spend from $1 to $2 billion on the election of two people to office because there's this vying for power that's in the world. Well, that's what the world, but can I tell you, your prayers have power. And your prayers don't have little power. Your prayers have big power. And when Christians are praying in harmony with God's will, listen, I think God cares about this. Uh, There's a world out there. Well, I I, I don't want to get off on that too much, but there's uncertainty around COVID. 
You know, even states are even saying you can't have Thanksgiving this year. Have Thanksgiving over a Zoom meeting. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's gone a little bit too far. I don't know how to pass the potatoes through the Zoom. Uh, but anyway, it, it's just what in the world is happening? And my message to you today is a simple yet profound message that we can trust the sovereign, all-powerful God that he is in ultimate control. And he is guiding the lives of committed followers of Jesus Christ. Listen, nobody and no one can stop his plan. So we can face the future, come on, flapping both wings as it were, with peace. Because our God reigns. Come on, give him a big hand today. He is worthy of our praises. Last week, if you were with us, we looked at God's sovereign hand. And sovereign simply means there's a, there's, it's powerful, it's independent, and God does what he chooses to do. We saw this last week in the lives of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember they were slaves uh, when Israel in the captivity. We looked at a New Testament figure, Stephen. We saw God's hand in his life. And today I want to continue with what's, I think, one of my favorite Old Testament characters. His name is Joseph. Uh, Joseph just is so identifiable, but again, we're talking about is God in, or that God is in control. This is a continuation of part two. And let me tell you Joseph's story. Joseph, and we read about it extensively in the book of Genesis, uh, in Genesis chapter 37 through 50 is about Joseph, about 13 chapters, uh, give or take, it's about his life. Well, it, it, the story starts out, he's a young man, 17 years of age, he has dreams, and in his dreams... Uh, he sees sheaves of wheat bundled together, and he said, this wheat represented my family, and you guys were bowing down to me. Well, how many know if your big brother's 30 years old and you're 17, that's not a real encouraging thing to say, especially when you're daddy's favorite boy. But that's exactly what he said, and he, in essence, it was a dream from God, and God predicted the future of what was going to happen 20-some uh, years down the road. Uh, it was what was going to happen. But it starts from there, and then the story unfolds, gets real negative for Joseph. Uh, his brothers are jealous. They want to kill him, but instead they throw him in a pit. And then by accident or luck or opportunity, as the world would say, some slave traders happened to come by. How I many know it's all the sovereign hand of God? They came by, they took him out of the pit, and they sold their brother as a slave. Joseph shows up in Egypt. He's bought by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar is like Pharaoh's executive council. He's like on his cabinet. He buys him, and then Joseph starts excelling. Uh, God prospers Joseph even in this land of difficulty, and he becomes the manager of Potiphar's household. And then something bad happens. Potiphar's wife hits on him, and Joseph does a good thing. He runs away, and he says no, but she gets mad, and she says, he raped me. And because of that, Potiphar had no choice, but he threw Joseph in prison. Now, we're going to look at Joseph's story today because we can read that story in 30, 45 minutes, but yet his life, he endured years in prison. Uh, he interprets the dream of a butler and a baker. It happens exactly as they said, but guess what? The butler gets out and he forgets about poor Joseph. He's there two more years in prison, but the story takes a dramatic shift. Joseph wakes up one morning and Pharaoh has had a dream. Joseph is brought in, he interprets the dream, and before lunch, Joseph is made the vice president of Egypt. I mean, I mean, have you had dreams sometimes like, I don't know what, uh, like dreaming of winning the lottery or something, what you do with $100 million? How many play the lottery? 
You know, it's a 90% tithe on your winnings from the lottery. Okay, forget the lottery. How about uh, a rich uncle that you don't know exists in England or somewhere dies and leaves you $100 million? I mean, you just kind of lay in bed and just dream these crazy dreams that you have. Or, or one of your old Mickey Mantle baseball cards. Or somebody gives you a million dollars. for. It. So the point is, though, is we just sometimes dream about things that seem impossible. But for Joseph, he became the vice president of Egypt. But it wasn't just for him. It was so God could take care of the Israelite people during a seven-year famine and preserve the lineage of Jesus Christ. Now, that's kind of the big story from Genesis. I want to read it. It's about eight verses in Psalms that summarize the high points, and then we're going to talk about each verse. And I think you'll get something out of it. Let's look at Psalm 105, and I want you to look at it this way. Joseph is a man on a mission from God. Now, I want to encourage you to... Let's not just learn this historical account of Joseph, but let's see that I'm just like him, that God has a plan for my life, and God might allow me to go through a season of uncertainty, but God will never abandon me, never throw me away, and there's a predetermined end for my life. Psalm 105, verse 16, the strangest way this is introduced, God called for a famine on the land of Canaan. God cut off its supply of food. Verse 17, he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Now this is interesting because God will even use the negative uh, 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 bane of life called slavery. Joseph was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with iron chains and placed his neck on his neck and iron collar. In verse 19, when I read my Bible, I, I use uh, pens. I underline key words. I write myself notes. And I got a big circle around until. Because it simply means uncertainty is not going to last forever. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. In verse 20, Pharaoh sent for him, set him free. And Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. And then, here's the culmination, his father and his family, Israel, arrives in Egypt, and the Lord multiplies the people of Israel. Well, here's the message for today. Joseph's circumstances were not accidental. His promotion was not because of luck. How many know the same sovereign hand that guided Joseph is the same sovereign hand that's going to guide America, the same sovereign hand that's going to guide our life, and the same sovereign hand that's in control of our future? Yeah, so let's look at some lessons today. We're going to begin in verse 16. And when I read my Bible, and I read every day, if you would like to join us, we've got a Bible reading plan on our app. Just go to the store and search Church on the Rock, Texarkana. We read two chapters a day, and an Old and New Testament. If you can't read both, read the New, but read with us. And when I read my Bible, I'm not just reading for historical fact and doctrine. I'm trying to ask myself the question, how does this apply to me? And this is what I want to do is I want to try to make this passage relevant to you and I today and show us how this applies to us. And here's the first thing. We usually can't see the big picture. In other words, when God's doing a, a, a big work, it's hard for us to know. What is God trying to do in this election? Now, let me ask you a question. How many have real strong opinions about that? Wave your hand at me. Uh, listen, I do. I'm going to raise both hands and both feet. I've got strong opinions. I, I, I hope my opinions line up with what God's out to do. But he's, he's going to have his way. So let me just talk about big picture. Psalm 105, verse 16. God called for a famine on the land of Canaan. 
and he cut off its food supply. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would God cause a famine? It just doesn't seem right. Good God, I mean, no famine is bad. But what God was doing is he was using, uh, uh, he, he was going to use this famine to relocate Israel and set up the whole history of the nation of Israel. Now, when you're in the middle of the famine or the problem of the uncertainty, I mean, it doesn't make sense. You may read an article about the election tomorrow and it might make you really happy or it might discourage you. When you're in the middle of it, it doesn't make sense. But when you step back, when it's over, uh, let's say, for example, I was talking to a business person just the other day, and he shared with me how in the midst of this uh, uh, COVID experience, a lot of people weren't uh, paying bills that they were rightly due. And I could sense his, his pressure. He was asking for prayer. Uh, listen, how many know nobody has unlimited funds? And uh, I thought, man, if he had to write his life story today, what would it be like? But there'll come a time in his life when he'll get beyond this, when he'll see how God worked and how God cared for him, and the whole story will make sense. But it usually makes sense at the end, not when you're in the middle of it. Uh, because for Israel, it's almost like all of Israel's history will begin in Egypt. Now, clearly it began with Abraham, but it's like God's going to start with a nucleus of 70 people. Now, Israel, of course, we would think about the nation of Israel today, but in their day, you remember there was a real man, his name was Jacob. Uh, he was, and God changed his name to Israel. He had 12 sons, and they became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. They're even recognized today among Jews. But uh, it all, all the rest of the Old Testament revolves around this story. And this is how God got his, his people there. And here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes God will use things we don't understand to further his plan. Sometimes there will be things that just don't make sense. But God's involved. I remember my grandmother, uh, when, before she died, uh, when I told her uh, that I was going to go in the ministry, vocational ministry, uh, she started to cry. And uh, she said the strangest thing. She said, now I, I understand a little more about my journey. Well, now, this grandmother, as I've told her story often, uh, had a happy life. They owned 300 acres of land. Uh, they had animals. Uh, my grandfather was a postmaster. She was a school teacher in the Baltic state of Latvia in World War II. But the Russians decided they wanted to expand their empire, so they took over their little state. And before they know it, they arrest my grandfather in the middle of the night. Uh, they chain he and other uh, town officials with barbed wire, put him in a boxcar to Siberia. I mean, I mean no, that's, not, <laughs> that's uncertainty written all over it. And, of course, it's a miraculous story how God took care of them. But they come to America, they have to start all over with nothing. And they start working on a turkey farm in, I think it was South Mississippi. And, of course, in their life, they gradually, they bought a dairy and, you know, they were able to retire one day. But how many know you, she lost two children in World War II? They were conscripted in the Russian army and she never saw them again. Never saw, so how many know it, it's confusing and where is God? She was a deeply religious woman, a committed Lutheran, loved God, had a sweetness about her. But when she told me, now I understand a little more, not because I'm some big thing, but in the process of time, one of her grandchildren would go and become a gospel preacher and would promote the message of Christianity. Sometimes God does use his things that we don't understand to further his plan. And I, I want to try to explain this a little bit. 
I want you to look at this door, this sanctuary. Uh, and this door represents Adam and Eve's sin. Let's imagine we're living in the Garden of Eden and everything is perfect. There's no problems, there's no pain, there's no heartache, nobody dies. But when Adam and Eve rejected God and God's ways, they opened the door and Satan came in. In our world today, it might blow in some leaves if it was windy. Noise would come in from the street. We might even have a stray dog walk in. Well, I want to suggest that that's like evil that just comes in the human race. And it's just filtering in the midst of what we're doing. God doesn't cause evil things. God doesn't cause rape. God didn't cause, you know, my grandfather to be arrested in the middle of the night. But God will use these things. You see, Satan may be powerful, but how many know God is more powerful? You know, if you played the card game of Rook, I mean, Satan's playing trump cards all the time, but God puts that birdie on the pile, come on, and everything goes to the bottom. And this is the way that, uh, that, uh, that God works. And let me give you a little help with this, like, this uh, point. God, sometimes God will give us a glimpse of the future to sustain us in uncertainty. Now, I'm going to refer here to Joseph's dream. He's a 17-year-old boy, and I want to suggest to you it was this dream it's what partially sustained him in his uh, 13 years of slavery. Genesis 37, Joseph said, I had a dream. We're in the field tying bundles of wheat. My bundle stands up and your bundles gather around it and bow down to it. Did you know that would literally happen when Israel came? Joseph was 17. He's, uh, he's a boy. Uh, until 30, he's a slave. At 30, he becomes the vice president of Egypt. Uh, good years uh, 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 last for seven years, but then there's seven bad years, and during those bad years, that's when the dream is fulfilled, and his brothers come in and bow down to him. Um, I've, I've had a dream that sustained me. I don't know that it was a dream. It was more like a, a, an impression or a vision from God. Uh, my wife and I pastored in Palestine, Texas a number of years ago, uh, very happy there. And uh, the head of our organization asked us to come and preach in this church. They were needing a preacher. And uh, I was driving, uh, I was not on an ambitious search for a, a bigger, better church. I was just acting in obedience. And I came down Highway 155 from Tyler. And I remember I went through a bottom. I see it in my mind's eye today. It, uh, uh, there was water and there were some cypress trees. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to take that church. Now, that was before I'd ever preached a sermon, before I knew anything about anything. But I want to tell you, that, more than anything, sustained me in those first 10 difficult years. I had a word from God. And listen, friends, the same thing can happen. It, 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 God can speak to us in a multitude of ways, but when God speaks to us, it's an anchor to help us in uncertainty. Let's look at verse 17. When we face uncertainty, we often ask, why is this happening to me? Can anybody say, I'm usually asking God when things aren't going well? How many can wave your hand and say, sure. Yeah. Verse 17, God sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Now, we understand it, but how in the world did a 17-year-old boy understand what was going on? They bruised his feet with, with chains. They placed his neck in an iron collar. Now, I want to illustrate that a little bit. Up to this point, it's been kind of abstract. It's been a little bit, you know, uh, just painting pictures in our mind. But uh, I think there was, must have been a drone, and they'd taken some footage of Joseph when he was thrown in a pit. Okay, that's the only joke I had all morning long. So uh, take a peek at this, and I think it'll speak to you. 
Well, that pit has uncertainty written all over it. I mean, no, when I'm telling you hear the story and you see the beginning from the end, it all just kind of feels nice. But when you're a young boy and you're being led by a chain, come on, and you got somebody dragging you and they're dragging you all the way to Egypt and you start getting cuts on your leg because that chain is digging into your leg and, and they got you tied to a camel and you fall down maybe and you, <coughs> and you pull yourself along. Gosh, I might pass out. And they pull yourself along. How many know life does not make sense? And it's easy for us to sit here and talk about a young man that lived thousands of years ago. But listen, friends, you could look at the future. We'll know what's going to happen, I think, to a large respect, depending on which way this election turns out. If it continues, America continues in the pathway she's on, religious freedom will be protected. If America takes a, a leftward turn... I've been reading some things this week that deeply trouble me. Mr. Biden's already said his advisors that one of the first things he'll do in executive orders is he'll undo what I believe is called the Mexican Accord, Mexico Accord, which sends multiplied millions of dollars to abortion throughout the world. There's a battle right now between sexual freedom and religious freedom. Sexual freedom be imposed upon religious, uh, religious people. If it goes leftward, that's going to happen. And rather than America having more religious freedom, we'll have less religious freedom. There'll be persecution. There'll be lawsuits. All this uncertainty is in the air. And, and, and how many know it could become a chain? But how many know just because a chain is around your neck, it doesn't mean God has forgotten you. And it doesn't mean that you're going to wear that chain forever. I'm preaching a little better than you're amening now. Uh, let me share this truth. God will use evil acts to fulfill his purposes. Where do you get that? One of the most encouraging scriptures in all the Bible, Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know, say this with me, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, it doesn't say you'll never have a problem, and it doesn't say all things are good, but it says all things, even chains, will work together for good because it was Joseph's chains that got him to Egypt 
It was God's hand that caused him to interpret a dream. It was God's hand that promoted him to the vice president of Egypt and the chains to come off, come on now, so he could take care of God's chosen people uh, 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 the lineage of Jesus Christ. But this is a tension, but this is a promise. And I may be in a time that I don't want to be in, and it may look bad to me, but the God that's in heaven is sovereign, God is in control, and God will even take the Hitlers of this world and put them down. How many know that? God will take the Mussolinis of this world and put them down. God will take the Saddam Husseins of this world and put them down. God will cause evil institutions like slavery, and God will put them down. God will take evil institutions like the KKK and put them down. I want to tell you, friends, God is big enough to see us through to the other side. Give him a a big hand today. He is worthy of our praise. Let me illustrate this further. There's a woman, true story here. Her name is uh, uh, Candy uh, Leitner. She got the unthinkable call that her daughter had been killed in a car accident. It was a drunk driver. I know, I'm sure she battled depression. I'm sure she, she struggled. Uh, she likely asked God, where are you? But she didn't stay in this enslaved condition the rest of her life, she rose up and she found a purpose and she founded Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And it's because of that laws have been instituted in our nation that have probably saved tens of thousands of people's lives from the horror of being killed by a drunk driver. Listen, all things are not good. Bad things come through that door. But God can take that bad thing and he can turn it into something good. Now, here's a question. How do we keep a good attitude when we're wearing chains? You say, well, I think I know where he got that. He got that at Lowe's. That's not a real chain. And, and, and you just kind of, you know, this looks a little bit comical. But how do you keep a good attitude when you're wearing a chain? How do you keep a good attitude when your husband walks out on you? How do you keep a good attitude when your kid says, I hate you, and I'm going to do what I want to, and I don't care what you say? And, you, and they just disconnect from your life. How do you, how do you live with that? Hebrews 13, 15 is the only piece of advice I have. The scripture says, through Christ, let us continually offer up a a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let me tell you how that works. Uh, My wife, Linnell, one of the godliest people that I know, honey, stand up. Uh, A great portion of my success is because of her. And uh, I just honored her today. She is... She is a, a huge. Uh, the other reason for my success is her dad would say is because of him. So I'm just kind of along for the journey here. But uh, Linnell had breast cancer seven years ago. The unthinkable diagnosis. She went through all the surgeries. She went through radiation, chemo, and she couldn't sleep. And to this day, it's hard for her to sleep well through the night. And she'd wake up. And I would wake up sometimes at 4.30 in the morning and I never heard her saying, oh, God, why did this have to happen to me? You know, I'm a missionary, and I've given my money, and I serve. I never heard anything like that. I'm sure she asked those questions. But you know what I would hear at 4.35 in the morning? I'd hear praise music coming out of our living room. And I'd hear her thanking God that God is still good in spite of what she's going through. That, Lord Jesus, you're not through with me yet. And you began a good work in me. And you're going to bring it to completion. And I'm not fighting this life alone, Lord. And I just want to give you praise today that you're giving me grace to face whatever the day may hold. So I'm not walking in bondage any longer. I'm walking in the freedom that comes from Jesus Christ. And, and, and 
she praised her way through her problems. Her problems didn't make the problem, her praise didn't make the problem go away, but it made the problem bearable. Come on, give the Lord another good hand today. Let's look at verse 19. Uncertain circumstances are a spiritual test. We can pass or fail. Until the time came, I think I mentioned, but I write in my Bible, and this is a word that I've underlined and circled in my Bible, because there was an endurance that he had that lasted 13 years, but 13 years it changed. But notice what it said, until that time though, the Lord tested, say it with me, Joseph's character. The Lord tested his character when Joseph was thrown in a pit and he's sitting there and the brothers, it's, we don't know how long he was in the pit. Sooner or later some slave traders came by and bought him out of it, but we don't know if it was a few hours, a few days, but he was in that pit and he was probably moaning and crying and when it got quiet and he wondered where the snake was, he could have easily shook his fist at God and said, God, if you don't get me out of here, I quit. But he didn't. He passed that test. He, 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 the, the, his slavery was a test. When Potiphar's wife came on to him, that was a test. Uh, being in prison and having done nothing wrong, that was a test. Success was a test. But I've got good news. Joseph passed the test. Tests are not meant to punish us. Tests reveal what we know. Spiritual tests reveal who we are so God can promote us to the next level. You remember when you were in uh, high school? And uh, maybe you're in school now. And uh, it's a Monday morning. And uh, the teacher comes in. And uh, she gets you quiet. Makes you put your phone up, you know. And uh, makes you put your book under your desk. And then she says, get out a piece of paper and a pencil. We're going to have a, 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 a pop quiz on chapter 3. Yeah, there's just, uh. well, that teacher could be mean, but what the test is meant to do is to show her if you learn what chapter 3 was all about, so she knows that she has to reteach it because chapter 4 is going to build on chapter 3. The test reveals what's inside, and spiritual tests are the same way. How I many know God is about to promote Joseph and make him one of the most powerful, uh, uh, powerful men on the face of the planet? And you know what? God needs to know that he's going to be a humble man. And how many know humility is revealed by the circumstances? Preaching a little better than you're amening here. Let's look at verse 20. Timing is everything. Did you know God has a clock? I don't know if it's digital or if it's an analog. But we start praying when, let's say it's 1 o'clock. And we're ready for it to get over. But God may not want it over at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock. For God, it may be 10 o'clock. Uh, how many is old enough to remember when we used to cook popcorn the old-fashioned way in a pan? Now, you remember what you'd do? You'd take a pan and you'd put the oven on, and you, or not the oven, but the stove on, and you'd have to try to remember if you burn it last time, if it was on high, let's say 8, uh, you might have to put it on 6 this time. But uh, you turn it on, you put just a little bit of oil in the bottom, and you put two or three kernels in there. And uh, you're going to wait until the oil boils, and that kernel pops, and that lets you know you dump the rest of the popcorn in. Well, you put that popcorn in, and the oil covers it, and you shake it a little bit. All of a sudden, it starts popping. You put the top on it, shake it some more, and you take it off before it burns. That process took like, what, 15, 20 minutes? Here's what we do today. We get this bag. We open the plastic. 
We don't even have to worry about how long it takes. We put it in this machine. We don't even have to think how long. We just look for the popcorn bag. We push it. And then we do this. We want it, and we want it right now. But sometimes it takes from age 17 to age 30. Timing is everything. You cannot assume that just because it's 3 o'clock does not mean that God's not going to answer your cry. Joseph is in prison. Uh, Potiphar's wife lies. You know, Jewish commentators I read, several said that Joseph was in prison for 12 years. Now, they're not sure. that you, you, can't, you can't guarantee that. But there's only two places that Joseph was in. He was in Potiphar's house. And then he was in the prison because he was falsely accused of rape. We know the prison, he was there two years longer after he interpreted the butler and the baker's dream. But he was there quite a while. Now, uh, let, me, let me give you what I think is important. Waiting for God to act while we're in a place we don't want to be doesn't have to make us depressed. Now, how many can say, the longer I wait, the harder it gets? The longer I wait for God to move, it, it makes me wonder if God's ever going to move. I'm preaching better than you're amening. You're pretty quiet now. Let me read you a little story. Uh, an account, Joseph, Genesis 39. Uh, Potiphar took Joseph and threw him in prison. Now, how many know that prison had over it uncertainty? But look at verse 21. Could we read it together? Verse 21, it says, The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. He went on to say, the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. God did this. And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. And then it said again, the Lord was with him. So let me tell you this. If your spouse walked out on you, God never will walk out on you. You may have a biblical reason to file for divorce, but it may be that the Holy Spirit has said, I want you to wait until he comes full circle or until she comes full circle and you are standing for your man. I want to tell you, God will not forsake you. You can be in financial pressure. There may not be much money in the checkbook. You may not have money to be able to pay for the, for the cheerleading outfit. You certainly don't like the situation, but you can find a rich relationship with God. Come on, you may roll out of that bed at 5 o'clock in the morning, and you used to get up at 5 in the morning when you had to, and you had to have coffee before you could function and all that. But when Linnell would get out of bed, something was pulling her. See, she was feeding off a relationship with God. She was feeding off the Bible. She was feeding off worship. She was feeding off encouragement from other Christians. And I want to tell you, friends, even though you may be waiting for God's clock to reach the appointed hour to change your circumstances, you can find a richness in your relationship with God. Come on, Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But I'll always be with you even to the end of the age. Listen, friends, the world may be tough. But inside, you can have an abundance with God. Uh, and let me say this. This is kind of cool. God often moves suddenly when we least expect it. Now, this movie, Joseph, it's, it's, it's worth a watching. Uh, and you can watch it with your kids. But Joseph, let's just, let's just think with, with the rabbis a minute. Maybe Joseph was in that prison 10 years. Now, he'd been promoted. But how many know after 10 years, you've got a routine? 
You're overseeing the whole prison. You, you know you know what's going to happen that day. Let's say Joseph got up at 6 o'clock and he got up and I don't know how you shaved back then, but he got up and he shaved himself and I don't know how you brushed your teeth, but he was brushing his teeth and he went through his routine and he had no clue what was happening in the palace. Because you see, in Pharaoh's palace, Pharaoh had had a dream and he couldn't sleep. Have you ever had a dream that was so shocking to you that you either wrote it down or you woke up your spouse or you woke up screaming? Yeah, all of us have. Um, he got up. And how many know when the Pharaoh gets up, all he's got to do is that. He's got 24-hour people caring for him. And he says, I've had a dream. Get the magicians in here. Get the astrologers in here. Get everybody that, you know, can tell what a dream means. And Pharaoh told the dream, and they all went, oh, no. And listen to this. Now, this sounds like the world would say, what a coincidence, or wasn't this lucky? But a man that had been in prison with Joseph, he was the butler. And Joseph had properly interpreted his dream, and the butler forgot him two more years. And the butler, this is how the Holy Spirit works, he was reminded that Joseph can interpret dreams. And here's the really kind of cool part of the, of the, uh, of the movie. Two guards come and get Joseph, and, and he thinks he's going to get beaten or something. But before he knows it, he's in there. Now he's properly clothed in the movie, but he's in there, and these, these ladies have these brushes, and they're giving him a bath. And he just changes from this scared look, and he's kind of getting into it. Well, before you know it, he dries himself out. He puts on nice clothes, and he's standing in front of Pharaoh. And unbeknownst, it happens suddenly. You know, God does tremendous things, and they happen suddenly. Do you realize Zachariah and Elizabeth waited to have a baby, and they waited decades, but one day John the Baptist was conceived. Uh, after Jesus ascended to heaven, it had been a couple months. They're just in the upper room praying, and suddenly the Holy Spirit fills the place. See, God moves in a sudden position, but he moves to those who have kept flapping both wings. Not just waiting for God to do his, but are continuing to flap. And he goes, and in that moment of time, everything changes for Joseph. Now, God moves when we least expect it. Let's wrap this up. Look at verse 21. Blessings follow those who trust the Lord in uncertainty. It's hard to keep trusting God. I want to tell you what. It's hard for me to keep watching the news. I can just barely now where I can watch some of the news it was so bad about the election that I just quit for a few days. It was just stressing me out. And I can watch a little bit of it now. But here's the deal. Blessings will follow in whatever uncertainty we're waiting. Uh, verse 21, Joseph is put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over the king's possessions. Now let's think about this. How can a slave become the vice president? How can, how can someone with no civil rights whatsoever be promoted to the second highest position in the land? I'll tell you, friend, God. I'll tell you, friend, God can circumvent what's going on, and God can bless us when, 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 when we least expect it. There's a biblical principle, and I want you to listen to this. It's called faithfulness. God honors the person that keeps doing their part. It keeps, in, in, regarding the election, it's praying and standing on the word and standing on belief. Not just standing on what you read on your new website, but standing and praying on the word of God. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 25 about faithfulness and God's reward. Verse 19, after a long time, 
This is a picture of Jesus' return. The master returns from the trip. It's called the parable of the talents, where the master gives people five, two, and one talent, and it's a, it was a bag of money. But verse 20, the servant said to the master who gave him five bags of silver, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. And what did he say? Well done, my good and faithful. What does faithful mean? Faithful means to keep on keeping on, even when it's not easy or fun. He said, you have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. It's as if God was saying to Joseph, you were faithful not to turn your back on me when you didn't understand what was going on. You were faithful to walk with me in Potiphar's house and walk away from a woman you could have had because it was wrong. You were faithful to me in prison when you felt like you were forgotten. And now I'm going to entrust you with being the ruler of all Egypt. Listen, this is the way God's works. Faithfulness follows our obedience. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. Let's wrap this up, verse 23. As we continue walking with God, our uncertainty becomes certainty. Well, verse 23, here was... The whole thing God was shooting for, for that 20-year period of time, Israel arrived in Egypt. That's his daddy and that's 70 of his family members. In verse 24, this was God's plan. The Lord multiplied the people of Israel. So he would grow that 70 into scholars believe from 1 to 2 million Israelite people. And then Moses would step up on the scene and say, let my people go. And the history of Israel would unfold. Listen, uh, the nation of Israel had a destiny and Joseph was sent there for a purpose. To preserve the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Joseph was the one that was responsible for saving food in those seven years of plenty. So that when Israel came, they'd have plenty to eat. Now let me read to you what I think is the most touching verse in the entire passage. Because sometimes... It takes a long time for us to have that aha moment with God and to understand. Just like I was a small part when my grandmother said, I understand a little more why we left our homeland. Listen to what Joseph said in Genesis 50. Joseph now, he's the vice president. His brothers know who he is. They're scared to death because he's going to take vengeance. But here's what he said. You intended to harm me. But what's it say? God intended it all for good. God intended it all for good. I've been brought to this position, not just but so I can be blessed, but so I can save the lives of many people. And friends, there's a purpose on the other side of the uncertainty. There's a purpose for your life if you'll keep going forwards. There's a scripture in Isaiah, and I close with this, that kind of, puts the highlight on this story today. The Lord says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. Your ways are not like my ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So here's what I say. Hit us with your best shot, uncertainty. God's got this in the palm of his hand. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of all our praise. Come on, bless him today. He's worthy of all our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going we're gonna to close in prayer. 
I'd like to ask you to pray with me uh, for America. And we're not praying today as libertarians, independents, or Democrats, or Republicans. We're praying as Christians together today. We're praying bound not by political party, but how many know we're bound by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're praying together for God's will to be done in this great nation. Come on, let's just pray just a moment. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus for America. We're not going to be content just to watch and see what happens, but we're going to do our part right now. We have voted. We've expressed opinions. Now, Lord, we're going to continue to flap our wing in the place of prayer. And we're going to pray that come January, you're going to have the man and the party in office that you want to be there. So we say today, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Come on, say that with me. Let your will be done. Father, we want to pray right now that you would expose if there's any fraud anywhere, if there's any injustice. Lord, the future of the integrity of our elections system is at stake. I want to pray right now that anyone that's done anything crooked, that's ungodly and unbiblical, I pray they would be exposed. I pray, Lord, that all those that are fostering anything that's against God's will would be brought into confusion. And I just want to pray now in Jesus' name that every judge, every attorney, uh, every political person, even the Supreme Court, that they would line themselves up perfectly with the will of God, that you would put a hook in their jaw and bring them into your purpose and plan. And when that happens, Lord, we're going to trust you for the future of this great land. And we say this today in the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. All right, we're going to close this way. We're going to have one final song. And during this song, if you want prayer, we want to pray for you. I'm going to ask now that our prayer team would come forward. If you're here today, I want you to come up and, and uh, 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 let us pray for you. Any of our pastors, any of our elders that are here, we want you to come on up. And, and uh, we want you to come on up and, and, and let us pray for you. Because listen, I know many of us have uncertainty in our life. It could be family, it could be home, it could be COVID, it could be whatever it may be. You, still, you may just be going crazy over this crazy election stuff. I don't care what it is. But if you need God to help you, to guide you, to strengthen you, to give you peace, I'd encourage you to come let somebody pray for you. But listen, friends, there's one other prayer that I want to offer that is the most important prayer. And it's this one. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, my greatest need is just to get right with God. Maybe you're honest enough to say that you're not close with God. When we prayed that prayer early in the service and you said, Lord, I want to be close to you, something just welled up in your heart. Because to you, you believe that God is still far away. You see, what's missing is you've never committed your life to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're like me. Mom would make me go to church, and I'm so glad she did. And I always believed in God. But I never committed to follow God. It was almost like when I needed God, it was like 911. And when God would bail me out of the problem, I'd put him back on the shelf or hang up the phone. Something happened to me. It was August 15th, 1976. It was a dramatic moment. I remember in my life, it's like I lived my life doing my own thing. But I'd always look back at the cross in trouble. Well, on that day, I realized I, I want Jesus to be my Savior. I need God's forgiveness, and I want to follow him. And I did what the Bible calls repenting. To the best of my ability, I turned. And I turned my heart to Christ. And I asked Him to forgive me in that Navy boot camp. And I committed my life to follow Jesus. And can I tell you, friend, it was the best decision that I ever made. And maybe you're here today, and maybe that's what you need to do. Whether you've gotten away from the Lord before, or maybe you've never made that commitment. 
If you'd like to commit your life and become a follower of Jesus Christ, not join this church, but to follow Jesus, we'd be honored to pray with you. And I'm encourage you during this song, if you'll come up and talk to Pastor Mike, he's one of our executive pastors, and just come up and just tell him, say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get right with God. It'll be the greatest step you've ever taken. Go ahead and begin to sing our last song. Then we'll dismiss. But uh, you want prayer? Come on up. Let us pray for you. If you need to make that step to Jesus Christ, come see Pastor Mike. I love you. Thanks for being here.